Live from the Coachella Valley, time for another hour of the desert scene. Art exhibitions to modernism, music festivals to live theater, big screen, little screen, and very little screen. This is the Culture Corner with Bonnie Gilgallen and Brian Mendoza. Here's Bonnie and Brian on iHub Radio. And welcome to the Culture Corner. We got lots of lots to talk about today. Some great guests coming up, and so a lot of news. But um, hey, Brian, how you doing? I'm doing good. How are you doing? Good. But our news starts with um, some sad stuff because we had three very well-known people pass away in the last mm, three or four days. I guess it is. I, I think so. I yeah. would say even not even more. more yes, than I think yesterday was Larry McMurtry. I think <laughs> Larry McMurtry died yesterday. He is the um, he is. He's written a lot of successful books. He's written The Last Picture Show, Terms of Endearment, Lonesome Dove. And the accumulating all this together, His the movies based on his works have been nominated for 34 Academy Awards. Wow, that's pretty impressive. And 13 wins. Wins, wow. And he actually adapted the screenplay to Brokeback Mountain. And so, and he won an, and he won an Oscar mm-hmm. for that. Mm-hmm. So, lo- so Larry McMurty, not only... His own legacy as a novelist, he also created this platform for people to to feel inspired and actually mm-hmm. make great movies out of him too. So, I I I always thought of myself as like a secret fan because I never mm-hmm. really like, I guess like I've read his work. Like I read Terms of Endearment, mm-hmm. and um, I read parts of Lonesome Dove. I should read more of that to yeah. be honest. But I'm more familiar with the movies that were made out of it. He tells really good stories. If they're accurate to his um, books, they're really good stories. I didn't realize he, I I mean, Lonesome Dove is what jumped out right away, but I didn't realize he had, I'd forgotten some of those other things that he did as well. And Lonesome Dove was actually um, adapted into a miniseries. Mm -hmm. The book itself had won a Pulitzer Prize for writing. And the miniseries had earned 18 Emmy nominations, winning seven. So and what, Robert Duvall, there were a lot of big people, big names in that. Pretty I, big names. I think uh, Angelica Houston, wasn't she in that? I, I think. think. It was Tommy Lee Jones, Jones. Robert Duvall, and, I'm tr- and I think it was Angelica Houston. I think Houston. she was in it. I'm pretty sure. James Stewart, Henry Fonda, Angelica Houston, Diana, okay. Diane yeah. Lane. Yeah, good, good, really good cast. That's yeah. r- and it's one of those westerns where, from what I've read, it feels like one of those books that pioneered the Western genre mm-hmm. and that, in my opinion, also is accessible to people who don't like Westerns. Right. Like, if you're not a Western fan, it has its own dynamic. There's enough drama other than just being a Western. Yeah. And and I think it's and I think it's wonderful. So there's some fan facts about him right there. And then let's move on to, well, Jessica Walter. That's sad. I liked her a lot. Jessica Walter is one of those actresses that it's it's interesting watching her career because she started off in movies like Play Misty f- with mm. uh, for me, mm-hmm. and now she became and then she became an icon on Arrested Development and Archer, and it's, she's one of those actresses that I think got the lucky part of their career where, as they got older, they got more appreciated instead of fading away, which mm-hmm. is you know that's a conversation about aging in Hollywood, yeah, especially if you're a woman, and so. She's lucky in that she actually got more love towards the end. And my Eric, my partner, uh, he's a big Archer fan. He kind of got me a little <laughs> bit into Archer, and I really like it. It's it's a fun show, and yeah, Jessica was a big big part of that. Yeah. And one fun fact about Jessica Walter that not a lot of people know: when there was this movie called Child's Play, which is a movie about the killer doll Chucky. So, Brad Dorf 
played Chucky as a human and then mm-hmm. he transferred his soul onto the body of a doll. It's very convoluted, but okay. you know, you love it. Okay. It's one of those things where when Chucky, the actual Chucky doll, when he talked, it wasn't going to have Brad Dorff's voice. It had Jessica Walter's voice. I did not know that. <laughs> and so wow. Je- and so Jessica Walter the was voice of Chucky was the voice of Chucky because the Don Mancini, the writer of Chucky, said he wanted to have a woman's voice playing Chucky. Kind of be- makes it creepier and in, in so sort of in a way. Yeah. yeah. And he had seen The Exorcist, and he mm-hmm. thought if a woman's voice can be that scary, then I think we can have one for Chucky. And so he had saw, I think he might have seen Play Misty for me, mm-hmm. which was a horror film in itself. And just thought Jessica would be great as Chucky. And and it was one of those things where when when it got shown at the test screen, one of the complaints was unfortunately about Jessica Walter's voice, that it was just a bit jarring, that mm-hmm. maybe it just didn't work out. And uh, they had to and then they changed Change it to it. Brad Dorif and now it's its okay. own thing. But. I've always been curious about the Jessica Walter version of Child's Have you, Play. Did you see that? I, I've never, I've never seen it. I've never seen it because, okay. like, it's very inaccessible. What I, it's considered lost media, meaning that we know it exists somewhere out there. In out there, there. Yeah, yeah. But they, it just turns out that it's very hard to find. So mm-hmm. I'm very curious to see if one day that'll come out because I think a lot of people are just curious about yeah. stuff like that and maybe. Maybe, maybe. Maybe you can check, maybe even on a break. I believe she um, she did some stage. I think she might have even done some Broadway. I want to say um, that she might have done a revival of either Barefoot in the Park or Cat on the Hot Tin Roof. I, I know she did some stage somewhere along the line. I, I actually have it pulled up for you. Okay. She's done some revivals of Steel Magnolias. Okay. She also did Anything Goes, A okay. Connecticut Yankee, Royal Family. So she she yeah. she was a nominee for a Tony, but I think she's more famous for her television yep. work and mm-hmm. her film work. And she actually played she actually played the Shirley uh, MacLaine role in Steel, Steel Magnolias. Magnolias. Okay. So I forget what her character's name Weezer. Or something Weez- like. Weezer. Weezer. Yeah. And I can see that. I can actually see yeah. that. So it's a bit of a shame that maybe I didn't catch her. But I actually w- I actually thought. It made a lot of sense. But in my recommendation for if you're interested in Jessica Walter's work, if you want to, if you can't sit through a show, which I understand, mm-hmm. but you, you got the time now. Yeah, yeah. Most people do. <laughs> um, if you want to watch one thing, play Misty for me. Yeah. Her role in that one is the woman with borderline personality yeah. disorder who becomes infatuated with a disc jockey. Yeah. Pretty good performance. And I, you know, I saw that years and years and years ago, but I'd like to see it again. It's been so long. Yeah. I have it on DVD. I should send, I should lend it to you one of these days. Okay, sure. I'll, I'll, send, I'll take I'll it. Le- I'll lend it to you. And she received a Golden Globe nomination for this, and she was considered unnervingly effective mm-hmm. by Roger Ebert. So it, I think it's one of those performances that maybe got, I'm going to be honest, maybe got buried because later on the next decade, we had movies about. I hate to use the term in obsessed women, crazy women, obsessed. Crazy. Yeah. 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 So movies like fatal attraction mm-hmm. and single white female, mm-hmm. cause they're a little bit more flamboyant. Yeah. And hers was just maybe a little bit more understated, perhaps Under, understated, yeah. or maybe it just came out at the wrong time. time. Mm-hmm. Cause in the seventies, I think people weren't entirely sure what to make what, of that. Mm-hmm. I and, think you're right. And I think that movies like fatal attraction, took away some of it but you know what fatal attraction is great too not going to disparage that mm-hmm. but if you haven't had the chance go watch Play misty for me 
And I think it also predated the obsessed fan storylines mm-hmm. in horror films because it is about an obsessed female and fan. And there have been a lot of those, too. Oh, yeah. certainly, yeah. like Misery and all that. Yeah, yeah. And now to our our third, third death, yeah. George Seagal. Seagal. Seagal, yeah. <laughs> oh, I don't know why I Seagal. said Seagal. <laughs> um, yeah, he's had a really long career. Yeah. Uh, and he was he's been nominated for an Academy Award for Best Supporting Actor in Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf. Mm-hmm. And that's one of those movies that you have to see once oh, yeah. in your life. Yeah, yeah. And it's also one of those plays where I think it's a great play. But it me, is a great play. But for me, it's one of those things where, like, when I see it on stage, I, I feel bad saying this. No matter how talented the actors are, I can't help but see the people Elizabeth from the movie. Taylor, yeah, Elizabeth yeah, Taylor, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Robert Montgomery, mm-hmm. and um, George Seagal. Mm-hmm. Like, I see those people on stage, and mm-hmm. it, it's one of those. It's one of those things where, like, he's really good in it and it's a really good dramatic role. But I think people mostly know him for his comedic roles on Just Shoot Me mm-hmm. and as the pop from uh, the Goldbergs. Mm-hmm. Pops from the mm-hmm. Goldbergs. And he was also an accomplished ban- uh, banjo player. He mm-hmm. released three albums and he actually has played the instrument in a couple movies and mm-hmm. a couple um, late night shows. So you mm-hmm. might be able to catch a glimpse of him there. Yeah. Yeah. And. Other movies that he was in are For the Boys, Flirting with Disaster, and The uh, King Rat, Ship mm-hmm. of Fools. So those mm-hmm. movies, but I think his best movie is Who's Afraid of Virginia mm-hmm. Woolf. Mm-hmm. What, did you ever see any of his other roles in comedy or just mo- you know, what do you I, know him for? I, I, well, that, the, the, Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf, I know I've seen him in uh, a couple comedies. I just couldn't tell you what. I mean, I know I've seen him a number of times in things um just trying to think um yeah i just did he ever do any neil simon any neil i mean some some neil simon stuff has been made into movies like plaza suite or something like that i know i've seen him in a couple comedies i just can't remember that that's a good that's a good question like the the thing is that i i mostly know him only for like the owl and the pussycat with barbara Streisand. okay that i saw that that may be one of the that one of the ones i'm thinking that's one of the ones i definitely think about and then who's Look who's talking now, okay. and movies like that. And from he's also done some theater work too, but it's very like spar- spa- uh, mm-hmm. sparse. Like he did Requiem for a Heavyweight, mm-hmm. Art, Right of a Simple Man. So these plays aren't exactly like. I mean, I'm sure someone in the audience listening will be like, but I know those plays. Yeah, but but not the ones people think of the top of their head. Not like, like you know, a steel death bank. of a salesman or something. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. It's definitely not. But I mean, he's had a pretty surprisingly. I think all these people surprisingly have had a bigger impact than we anticipate. Like mm-hmm. Jessica Walter being able to play the type of type of characters she plays, which are not at all like conventional female characters mm-hmm. on Hollywood, mm-hmm. like playing an obsessed fan or yeah. playing a very outspoken, witty mother. Yeah, yeah. And George Seagal being able to play like, the fact that George Seagal is not exactly like Seagal, my Seagal. bad Seagal. Like it's because you're thinking of the other guy. What's his name? <laughs> uh, what the, the tough Steven, guy? Steven Seagal. Yeah, that guy. Yeah, Seagal. Yeah. Like the thing about Seagal is that like he was actually also one of the first American actors to rise to leading man status by not and without having to change his Jewish last name. Like he actually has been considered a pioneer for Jewish actors because I he didn't, didn't know that okay. because he didn't have to change it. Okay. So like it's weird how like it, a lot of these people 
you know, they made an impact, but you don't realize until they're dead. Mm-hmm. And then Larry McMurdy, like, uh, it's one of those things where like you don't realize how many good books he's written until mm-hmm. you hear about them. Did, now, did he did did he just did the adaptation of Brokeback Mountain or did he write that? Uh, Brokeback Mountain was originally written by someone else. Okay. Like he actually uh, Annie Plucks. Okay. It was a short story and he adapted it and he Intimate. won an Oscar. Oh, okay. Okay. So yeah. there are pictures of him with like an Oscar and everything and you know even adapting Brokeback Mountain and writing that dialogue, that's still something. Oh, sure. Know. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And I saw Brokeback Mountain pretty recently, and it was a conversation that someone had was, we have so many movies about gay men. Mm-hmm. Do we need to look at that one again? And I and I, I never liked those conversations because I don't believe in erasing film history or pretending that the older films aren't relevant well, anymore. Well, it was pretty groundbreaking at the time. Oh, yeah. I mean, at the time, it, you know, people were like, wow, okay. I Because mean, it was a big mainstream film and you know it was i thought it was pretty groundbreaking at the time and i and i think so too and i and funny enough all of these three have contributed in great groundbreaking role of groundbreaking works and very versatile they've all done a number of different kinds of things which is anyway rest in peace rest in peace yeah all of them wonderful creators in their own left and left a footprint larger than their own which you always want to do All right, we're going to be back with much more on The Culture Corner in just a moment. You're listening to Bonnie Gilgallen and Brian Mendoza talking arts and entertainment on iHub Radio's The Culture Corner. Here are Bonnie and Brian. Hey, welcome back to The Culture Corner. For this segment, we're going to try something a little differently. We played around with music, and now we decided, why don't we share with you a piece of Bernadette Peters' history that some people may not know outside of of people who watch Animaniacs. Mm Animaniacs was a television show from the 90s that revolved around cartoon characters having variety skits and all that. And Bernadette Peters played a cat that was a stray cat that always wanted to find a place called home. Mm -hmm. And so for this song, this is the first song she played on Animaniacs. It's called Humans Ain't What They Seem To Be. Ah, what difference does it make? Soon we'll be sleeping the big sleep. (sighs) I could use a nap. They're gonna gas us, you buffoon! We'll be dead! I don't think I'm that tired. You're not a very smart cat, are you, Runt? Nope. At least you're honest. What's a human good for, anyway? They pet you when you're sad. They smack you when you're bad. When you're hungry, they definitely feed you. Yeah, on vacations, they leave you with hardly no food. Ring a bell, dude? Exactly, my point. Humans ain't what they seem to be. They don't mean that much to me. No, not much at all. When you're little and 
What they seem to be, they don't mean that much to me. No, not much at all. But when it's all dark and quiet, I try hard to fight it. But I dream of hope that I won't have to roam. Someone to feed me and put me to bed and scratch me just so on top of my head. Gonna love 'em, not gonna answer that call. 'Cause humans don't mean that much to me. No, not much at all. It's so cute. I, it's such a cute song. And and Brian and I love Bernadette Peters. I've been a big Bernadette Peters fan for years. But I didn't know that she had done this, and Brian let me know. But yeah, really, really cute song. And of course, Bernadette Peters, I, I've always thought, has, has a terrific voice. And the one thing that she does, we were talking earlier, is as a singer myself, she uh, the transition between head voice and chest voice and pretty notes and sort of character character notes, uh, she does really well. And that can be challenging to do. So, And I think in this song, I think for me, the reason why I connect so much with Bernadette Peters in this role is just that it's a good performance and, mm-hmm. you f- and you hear the music and you can imagine that cat singing yeah. how she wants a home and everything. You get everything there. And I also think the writing too is really good for her because on the show, there's a lot of people who are voice actors that can just happen to sing really well. Mm-hmm. But with her, she sticks out on that show because she's an actress that's really amazing at singing and very mm-hmm. emotive. Mm-hmm. And for me, for those of you who don't know, she was on, one season as a regular of Animaniacs. It's, again, a show about cartoon characters. And, t- and tell them what happened, why she was only on one season. So there, one of the things that the creator didn't really confirm, but it's something that a lot of people have said, it was expensive to keep flying her out from New mm-hmm. York to Los Angeles, and also because they felt that the skits themselves were too depressing. Mm-hmm. The rest of the show, if you haven't seen it, has is a lot of uh, wacky comedy. Cartoony kind of stuff. And yeah. as you can tell on here... It's it's not wacky. It's emotional, yeah, right? Emotionally cathartic music. And one of the things that her skits just they didn't land well in the comedy. They were more about a dog and a cat, and she plays the cat. So it was it kind of brought it down a little too much, or maybe they thought. Yeah, yeah. yeah it brought it up so down so much that they even had an episode where um, the character Rita, who Bernadette Peters plays. Rita and her friend run they go to Nazi Germany to rescue a Jewish girl wow and that's like and and it was surprising because it, it was in good taste don't get me wrong yeah. but it was it was one of those things where the previous skit was characters playing on the piano and having so to fun. jump from that to go into <laughs> Nazi Germany yeah it was kind of jolt jarring yeah and it was serious too like yeah. um I think in the songs that I sent you it's the one where they sing about always being together mm. and it always surprised me about how far they went down the rabbit hole of being serious with mm-hmm. Bernadette Peters. And I guess because if you have that good of an actress, you would want to go that serious. They, they wanted to use her strengths in whatever way they could. Yeah. But one of the things that I like about the show is that they kept bringing her back after season one for mm-hmm. like little cameos. Little, mm-hmm. But I noticed that they didn't give her many big roles. And when Animaniacs got a movie, they 
made her a supporting singer, which mm-hmm. to me it's kind of jarring. It's like mm-hmm. when you have Bernadette Peters, my first thought isn't background singer. Yeah, it's yeah. Front and center. Front, yeah, yeah. But she, but that was terrific. I mean, she just, again, goes to show you how talented. I mean, she's, she, I mean, she started on Broadway. She's always been a singer Broadway, but she's done some straight television stuff. She's done guest roles on, I think, West Wing or uh, one, one of those legal shows. So she's done some straight acting, too, and uh, very versatile. Yes. Very versatile. Yeah. And I wanted to say, like, of those skits, what did you think of the show, the, the animation and I how it, it fits great. with her voice? I thought it was great. <laughs> yeah, it was adorable. Yeah. I think it's adorable, Absolutely. too. Absolutely. And be sure to support Broadway Barks because occasionally she does do stuff with them, which is a yeah. Broadway performers. To support animals. As support animals. Yeah. So definitely consider that because... Yeah. She's very proud of this role, yeah. and she often brings it up. Yeah, super. All right, we'll be back with um, Doug Graham talking about uh, some great, sh- great show he's going to do tomorrow night at Frankie's. The curtain rises on local and regional arts and entertainment, from music to theater, films to fine art. It's the Culture Corner. Get connected. Call 760-544-TALK. That's 760-544-8255. Here's Bonnie and Brian on iHub Radio. And we're back on the Culture Corner, and I'm uh, really happy to be joined now by a friend of mine and a, an amazingly talented guy, a singer, actor, dancer, a dance teacher, choreographer, a Doug Graham, who is doing a live stream from Frankie's Back Room this Saturday night at 5 o'clock. Hey, Doug, how are you? Hey, Rosemary. I mean, <laughs> Bonnie. <laughs> yeah, I just that did. was such an awesome show you did there. Thank you. Thank you. It's fun. I, I feel a connection with Rosemary. But yeah, Frank, we're so, yeah. you know, I'm so uh, proud of Frankie and Luca. They've been doing these live streams since almost from the beginning. I think back it was April, I think. And I think Eric and I were the, did the first one on Denise Motto. And now they do them Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, every week, 5 o'clock, uh, featuring a different uh, singer in town. And it's just five songs. It's a short little half-hour thing. And it's a great way to um, support uh, musicians in town, give them a place to perform in the middle of all this craziness, other than their living rooms, which is fine. Uh, also pr- uh, promotes Project Bread for Musicians, which is a wonderful program that Hope Diamond came up with with Frankie. And because so many uh, musicians in the desert have been out of work for a year or more, um, they came up with this little thing. So you can bring a gift card from Vons or Stater Brothers or wherever, put it in the box, and you get a, a free loaf of Frankie's bread. And that way, musicians who are really having a tough time can stop by Frankie's and pick up a gift card and, you know, it helps keep them going. So, um, and yeah, an th- awesome you've done a couple thing. of these. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, this will be my third one coming up. And you're right. This is, you know, this is a gift for the musicians, singers, entertainers here, but for, for you know, for giving them money and bread, but mm-hmm. for us to be up there and perform. Yeah. You know, you kind of forget until you can't just how powerful it is to yes. be able to share the gifts that we've been given and and get up there and, and pretend that everything's okay. And even if it's not, you sing about it, you know? That's right. the beauty of it. Yeah, it was a real, real timely thing they came up with. It was it's still wonderful, yeah. still happening. Yeah, and what's great about Frankie's back room is the back room, and they have this beautiful blue curtain with the sign, and, it's, oh. and the light, it looks so beautiful. I mean, it's, it's, I know a lot of people have done live streams, and I've done, done a couple from their living rooms, which is fine, but this, doing it at Frankie's with this beautiful blue curtain, it just makes you seem like you're on a big Broadway stage or Vegas stage, and it just, it's a different ambiance, and it just really, yeah. It's yeah. Classy, it's like the Metropolitan Room in New York, you mm-hmm. know, it's a... 
it really has some class to it. And, you know, it's probably not going to be too much longer because they can have 25% capacity once we hit orange. Yeah. So maybe you'll even have so many audiences going on in there. I don't know. but Yeah, that would be meantime, great. So do you, have yeah. a, do, you have a, do you have a theme for your show this Saturday? No, I don't. I have what I do have that's new is a, a new company of Susan Town. Oh yeah. Take note because you know we've just lost our dear Joel. I know he's he, moving away. He away. Oh, no. Yeah, he didn't pass away. He moved away. Yeah. But this guy, my my steady gig right now, which I adore, is a weekly church singing gig of a quartet. Mm-hmm. at the St. Paul's in the Desert, okay. and I'm the tenor there. But, I, you know, most people don't know this because they think that's just Broadway. Choral music for me has been equal parts passion. So to be able to do this and get paid really well and just do what I love to do and keep my voice in shape, I'm, not, I'm singing better than I ever have. So, Excellent. You know, just, now, so who's, I'm real blessed. So who is, the theme, I, no, it's just, just eclectic. I'm doing the full range from... American Songbook to, of course, Broadway, a more just type cabaret song, and even a song from a movie. So it kind of runs the whole gamut. So tell me, who's this new pianist in town? His name is Philip Smith. Okay. And he, he, he's basically the organist, choir conductor for the church. And mm-hmm. I just, I mean, I know he's brilliant. He's a genius at what he does. And I said, Have you ever, do you ever play a company? He goes, of course, I've done that for, for decades. So as soon as I started working with him, I was like, oh. Oh, gosh, you're going to work, like, a lot. Excellent. Well, that's good to know. That's good to know. Because, yeah. we, yeah, yeah, we need uh, need some more great companies. Because yeah. sometimes they all get busy, and then you got, you know, they get booked up. So um, All the good ones are always working. Yeah. That's it. So, now, so. you do, are you doing right now, I think, occasional online, like, dance classes or, or workout uh, classes I online? I have a, yeah, a weekly dance class every Saturday tomorrow mm-hmm. at 9.30, our time. And it's about an hour, 15-minute class. And, yeah, it's fun to teach all over the country. I even had some from Austria for, for a little while there. But it's a very – it's kind of a basic-ish because I mean, it's catered towards people of a certain age, which we are, damn it. Mm-hmm. And so it's it's not too difficult. You, have, you should have had some dance training, probably like an advanced beginner level. And then I usually teach – something from an original Broadway show or somebody's style like Bob Fosse or Jack Cole. Okay. Okay. All the class. So it starts off with a really good solid core stretching warm up that's set. So every time you do it every week, you kind of get it even better. Mm-hmm. And then I throw in a combination to learn at the end. And so kind of just throw it all in the mix. A lot of stretching, a lot of core. Yeah, so it's really good. Well, I I know because I have seen, well, I've seen you in person, but I've also seen a lot of pictures on. You are in amazing shape. I mean, I know you're in your 60s and you look fabulous. So what's the what's the key to to, to, for that? Well, you know what? I I've I've had packed PACTS for myself that have gone by the wayside akin to New Year's resolutions, you know. But I remember I was in the quad of University of Delaware with my partner, Terry, at the time, and we were probably 20. And we said to each other, let's make a deal that we will never let ourselves ever get out of shape. Mm-hmm. Now, of course, mind you, I've had some very dire health situations in my life. Of course, that those times when I wasn't, but that may be even work harder to get back mm-hmm. and to just make sure life was lived for the fullest. So I take a lot of focus on making sure that this shell that we walk around in 
um, you know, is is taken care of. And that includes everything from exercise to taking care of the mind, mm-hmm. you know, learn crucial, especially for our age, you know, because we, we fire like twice as many brain cells when we learn something new, no matter how, how, how little it is. Mm-hmm. So to keep learning and, and your connection to whatever your connection is, you know, yeah. your heart, whatever. Yeah. And, uh, and so you seem to have worked. And you, now I think you do, you hike every morning, don't you? Do you get up every morning and go hiking? No, no. I, it's, I was kind of going crazy when the pandemic started. I was doing it a lot. But now it's about twice a week. And okay. I challenge myself at the end of the day, actually, at the end of the week. So on Sunday is going to be my solo hike, which I love. Mm-hmm. It's the top of the Lycan Trail. It's my, my getaway solo time for me yeah. and commute with what is. And I get a lot of clarity from that kind of thing. So yeah. there's so much in the city, Bonnie, as you know. It's just places just magical if you know what to tap into, you know? Yeah. And now, but you do, uh, you do, you do a lot of weight training too, though? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm. I should. You know. I should just set up a t- set up a tent at World Gym. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm there okay. daily. I, I find an excuse if not, and I can use actually the aerobic room. Thank goodness is open, and there's nobody there, so I can split my mask off and work on dance and mm-hmm. you know just things to share. But yeah, it's it's daily. It's weight training mm-hmm. and stretching always at the end, and occasional yoga classes and yeah. And tell me about your uh, your vocal workout. Are you somebody that vocalizes every day, even if you don't have something coming up? I do, and it's it's because I have this church gig, and mm-hmm. like I said, the voices say. But I have voice students too, so mm-hmm. as well as my dance class, I have private voice students, and I use a very powerful technique that actually it treats your voice like a gym workout. So uh-huh. I I have very specific exercises that are geared towards using the muscles mm-hmm. that are used for breathing and resonating. And, and so it's a very powerful technique that's been passed down from, gosh, many generations from my teacher. Mm-hmm. And tell me, I always yeah. like to ask this of, of performers, as I'm one too, but singers in particular, when you go to a, a show or a performance or a cabaret show, what have you, a solo show, and you go to see other singers, what do you like to see? or here what moves it what makes it a good show for you that's such a great question for me you know i didn't discover cabaret until i lived in la i started mm-hmm. going to the for open mic and then i thought it's always been theater you know big shows mm-hmm. and intimacy of this so when i really can hear someone's honest story that really moves me and mm-hmm. even if it's like what you did with rosemary it was it wasn't your story but you mm-hmm. created very intimate connection with her so i love those intimate moments where i can really see the person and they let us in and the songs that reflect that which are of course usually ballads mm-hmm. but yeah i just there's nothing more touching than people sharing their stories like that and would you say but, for and i've heard this i this is how I feel, and a lot I've heard a lot of the singers that it's more important to for the performer to touch the audience and make the audience feel something than than to necessarily have a perfect perfect uh, instrument. That the fe- the feeling is more. My gosh, yes, yeah, yeah. Somebody can sing, you know, "Memory" from Cats and blow it out the roof, but mm-hmm. if somebody doesn't have that inner knowing of what's happening in yeah. that person Cat's life, yeah, then. Who cares? Yeah. Who cares? Yeah. I teach a dance combination, you know, to my high school kids when I was teaching with uh, MTU. You know, they would do the steps. They said, okay, that's great. You got the steps. Now you've got to tell me a story. Right. So it's 
same thing. It's like, who cares about how many pirouettes you can do if there's right. not a joy behind it and energy of, of why you're doing this, the passion that you have. Yes. my my. I'm going to change the term that he uses, but my, my partner, Eric, when, you, when there is somebody up there, a singer who's just doing it for themselves, and I, he calls it musical self-gratification. He uses the different words, but, yeah. but you know, that's, that's what it is. Word. Yeah. <laughs> so, Completely. Uh, or, or listen to how pretty my voice is. Exactly, exactly. So, um, what's what's on your uh, uh, your performing bucket list? What haven't you done or role that you'd really like to do, performance wise? Well, you know, Bonnie, it's um, I'm I've been thinking about this. I have pretty much checked all the boxes that I mm-hmm. wanted to do with my career. You know, uh-huh. I got Broadway. I have done recreation. I know been the first national, so I had costumes built on me in Phantom. Wow! I finally got to work with Cheetah Rivera. That was mm-hmm. my my huge goal. Yeah, and I had a lead role in Cats, and I did it on Broadway and mm-hmm. and on tour. And I've I've done so much. And you know, doing ballroom last year here at the yeah. Rep was such a joy to be have an equity contract because that's the tough thing here. There's not any really right, equity contract. Right. With right. I thought you and were one they of broke. Go ahead. I thought you were one of the highlights of that show, by the way, but go ahead. That was so sweet. What you wrote. Well, you were, <laughs> yeah. I thought you were. I've saved it. Of course. I put it on my website. <laughs> <so> thank you. <laughs> well, that was so fun playing the Harry and the noodle. Yeah. But you know, they, if you hear it, see rep, I got to hand it to Ron Salona because, you know, usually the equity houses, which there's only that, and now um, Desart mm-hmm. has equity, and I, I know Coyote, Coyote Stage Works does some, sometimes, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. But for, for the rest of us, so when he did ballroom, as opposed to one or two contracts directly, he had 10. Yeah, that's a lot, yeah. I, that yeah. was such an honor to be part of it and also to be honored yeah. to be union and to work again yeah. but at my age and i'm i'm not you know i'm i'd be happy to do some more cabaret shows and just whatever comes along uh, all right well we're running out of time so doug graham you got to check doug graham out so check it out saturday night five o'clock on frankie's uh old italian world bake uh, bakery on their facebook page 5 p.m live at five in the back room doug graham he's fabulous uh knock him dead i know you're going to do a great show and um and keep keep doing what you're doing you're an inspiration to all us. Thanks, Doug. Really Thank appreciate you. it. Bye-bye. Thank All right. you. Okay. Have a great day. All right. We're going to be back with much more in the Culture Corner in just a moment. You're listening to Bonnie Gilgallen and Brian Mendoza talking arts and entertainment on iHub Radio's The Culture Corner. Live from the desert cities of Southern California, here's Brian and Bonnie. Hey, welcome back to The Culture Corner on this segment. Oh boy, Dr. Oz. Controversy. <laughs> so Dr. Oz has been, I'm going to say a very... I, I'm going to be honest, like someone that I don't really like to watch all that much because I think that I think me and me and Bonnie had a t- uh, conversation about this before the show. I just never thought his daytime television show was all that was great, all that great to start with. <laughs> <laughs> and I, and I, and I, wa- and I watched a couple of them and mm-hmm. I was surprised 
that it was nominated for outstanding informative talk show from the Emmys. Like, yeah. and I think that it's just one of those things where I just don't get it. I guess I just don't get it. Well, let's talk about some of the some of the controversy. Um, we were just talking. First of all, he was somebody that I guess at some point did promote hydrochloroquine as a treatment or cure for COVID, which turned out it was not. Right. Um, and I guess there was a coffee bean diet product that he was really gung-ho and didn't work. It didn't work yeah. out. And then he also believes, you know, this might not, some people in our show, may not, some audience members may not know exactly what the problem is with the next thing I'm going to say, but he tried to push for a cure for autism and a lot of people on the autism spectrum and i'm not on it but i know several mm -hmm. people they don't actually want the cure for it they feel like autism isn't something that we should cure that's something that we need to like you know just adapt to adapt to yeah. you know mm -hmm. and it's about accepting and it's it's and he also he also had a lot of controversy for bringing on a gay conversion therapist on his show that's the worst that's and the worst i think and it was and he defended it saying you know what i want to hear different perspectives while he did say that he doesn't agree with gay conversion therapy the fact that he had the person on his show and i personally think when i watched this, the clips of it i was like he doesn't challenge them like he talks about how i want to challenge it but then but then he didn't when he, he had didn't. somebody yeah he didn't and yeah. personally for me i'm one of those people that when it comes to stuff like that if you want to have a conversation, you should also try to challenge the person yeah, you're talking to. Absolutely. And especially if it's a controversial topic, because like for me, I think it, it actually shows the best interviews like last like the last four years with the last administration. The interviews that people really liked are the ones that were the ones where they were being challenging. Challenged. Yeah. Like, mm -hmm. I mean, to be honest, like the like the Fox News interview that is famous now was mostly famous because of the phrase man woman person yeah. tv but you see that's the thing about that is yeah. that it proves my point that his type of interviewing isn't exactly yeah for me but why are we talking about dr oz you might be saying well, well because he is this week i think this week and maybe next week he is the guest host on jeopardy and there are a lot of people who are really upset about that because of some of the other controversial things he's done. And to be honest with you, I wasn't going to watch it at all because I don't. But, you know, I was like, I want to watch Jeopardy. So I watched some of it last night and the night before. And to be honest, he's not that great. He's kind of boring as a host, I think. I, I was watching it and I couldn't sit through a lot of it. I, it's just one of those things where I think for the most part, these guest hosts have been pretty good, like pretty good, mm -hmm. you know, like replace guest hosts. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying permanent guest hosts, yeah. but he is by far the worst one. Yeah. And there is a letter, an actual protest, and it's this open letter by several previous contestants and hosts. And some of these include Ken Jennings, who have actually said, let's boycott this show. And they said that that this man's presence on the show is very harmful to them. And they mm -hmm. said that Jeopardy is about intelligence and about valuing intellectualism. And facts. Facts yes. mm -hmm. and all that. It, it's also not about being elite either. Because mm -hmm. like some of the stuff on Jeopardy can be like, who is uh, this character slays vampires and you say right. who is Buffy it's, some of it's pop culture it's not all you know like brain surgery questions yeah and that's what I loved about Jeopardy yeah. is that it was about approachability like it's mm -hmm. telling you the audience like you're smart too mm -hmm. for knowing that right and because if your answer is on Jeopardy Jeopardy 
then you feel intelligent. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people feel that that gets violated when Dr. Oz or someone like him is on there because they feel like like Alex Trebek deserves someone who actually, d- I think, just does better. Carries you know? on his legacy. Car- I wonder what Alex, I wonder if Alex Trebek knew Dr. Oz personally and what he would think about him being well, on there. Well, Dr. Oz did release a statement saying that and I'm going to quote him. Okay. You know, I was so fortunate to become friends with Alex and I visited him and the show as often as I could. One of my favorite moments was Alex showing me with immense pride, a room full of letters and support for him from you, from his fans mm-hmm. and all of, the, of his achievements. He was most proud of. He was most proud of his connection with you all the mm-hmm. time. So mm-hmm. that was his like statement it, according to the backlash. And, yeah. you know, it, it's nice, nice, to hear i guess nice little yeah. language but i kind of feel like again i'm going to be with the contestants and the fans on this one i mm-hmm. think that again i just don't think it was a good decision no. i think that dr oz was first of all a really weird decision to make like mm-hmm. i feel like there's plenty of people like levar burden the host of rain mm-hmm. uh, reading rainbow yeah yeah and the star of roots he actually was considered the fan favorite. He would have been, yeah. Oh, and also now I think is is uh, Anderson Cooper coming on? Is he is he scheduled to be one? I think he is going to be scheduled okay. to come on, and then good. I like him. The other one that I don't think is scheduled, but I think would be fabulous is Neil deGrasse Tyson. I think so I too. love him. He would be great. And you know now now here's another person that I would like to see uh, see on um, Jeopardy. I'll show her you. I'll show you her picture. Laura Coates from CNN. Okay, she is the legal analyst. She actually was Alex Trebek's pick for his replacement. Really? And but of course, like if she doesn't want to do it, she doesn't want to do it. Yeah, but well, she yeah. doesn't hasn't, hasn't talked about it. But she is the person that he said he would love to see replace him. Wow. And he said this in 2018. Mm-hmm. And I can see it. I can see that, and I can see the burden. Was that the only person Alex mentioned? That, that, yeah. Do you know? Okay. He yeah. said that was the person he would have wanted the yeah. most, and I'm, I'm, there's so many great people oh. that can be on Jeopardy, and yeah. it just kind of bewilders me that someone like Dr. Oz was chosen because, again, like you said, I don't. There's no charisma. He doesn't have any charisma. I mean, the thing thing I like about both Anderson Cooper and and um, well, LeVar Burton and Neil deGrasse Tyson is all three of them obviously are highly intelligent, highly accomplished at what they do, but they have that friendly, that approachable, that charisma thing, and you need that. You need both of those things. And it's also about being intelligent in an approachable way. Exactly. Like, the fact is that Neil deGrasse Tyson's the type of guy that he will sit with you and talk about something, but he won't try to outsmart you. And he's funny. And he's funny. He's funny. I love that. (laughs) And to be honest, like, I guess this is a question I want to ask you. Why do you think Dr. Oz was famous to begin with? Like, like I think he's famous for being controversial. I don't. I can't think of like a personality quick. Yeah. Well, I mean, I don't know. I don't remember what put him on the map originally. I mean, may, maybe he was just he was a doctor that was looked pretty good on camera and was aggressive and just wanted his own show. Maybe it, maybe in the beginning he was touting some of these breakthrough things that people thought were going to work. I don't know. Who knows? Yeah. And also, I think. I think the one thing that made him famous was the fact that he was associated with Oprah for a while. For a while, yeah. That always helps. That yeah. helps you get Doc, on the map. But. Funny enough, like, yeah. Oprah, please don't put your doctor yeah. friend on yeah. the air. Hey, Neil deGrasse Tyson, I'm going to write a start a campaign. Neil deGrasse Tyson, that's who we want on Jeff. Or we'll set up for LeVar Burton, too. And LeVar Burton, I like him, too. <laughs> hey, we're going to be back on the Culture Corner just a moment with another great hour of guests and a lot of fun, positive news towards the end. Yep. Stay tuned. <laughs> 